If you want to follow along, you can go to rmfchurch.org, click on media, then notes. You'll see today's title is Church for Real. Church for Real. Not for fake, but for real. Let's say our scripture for the year, Romans 15, 13. Are you ready? Let's say it out loud together. Now, may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Isn't that good? Praise God. Well, today, it's just been on my heart for what's going on in our nation. It just seems like it keeps getting amped up every day. And so uh, I've been praying a lot about this. I really have. And I've been talking to God about it. And uh, I feel like the Lord's been talking to me. And so um, I'm going to share what um, has been on my heart this week. And um, I, I like to be, when I know there's people have problems or something's going on, uh, I like to be a fixer. And uh, my wife has tried to teach me throughout the 31 years we've been married that, uh, you know, sometimes it just wants you to be an ear. And just listen. And uh, so uh, I try to do that. And um, I know that, uh, you know, there's part of me that says, you know, in Pueblo, there's only 2% of black people in our city. Only 2%. <clears throat> so some people may think, well, so what's the big deal? It's only 2%. And uh, this is what the Lord has helped me to see. And... Um, I, I, I make this funny joke with Danielle when she comes over and her three kids sometimes, uh, she says, oh, they're I'm helping her load up into the car. And <clears throat> she says, I say, have you got them all? And she goes, oh, no, I'm still missing one. And I, it's funny, but it's not funny. I said, well, two out of three is not bad. You know, in other words, you got two kids. You still got two. You know, what's the third one? Sorry. But uh, in reality, how many know that you want all your kids? Some of you, evidently not, but most people want all of her kids. <laughs> Some people are going, hmm. Anyway, uh, I was talking to the Lord about that, and, you know, and he said, like, if, but let's say you have six kids, and, and one of the six at school has been mistreated and, and not done right. As a parent, you're going to say, oh, five out of six, that's not bad. No, if you're like me. Uh, the Kentucky blood's going to come out, and you're going to go and make yourself known because one is important because that's your child. And so the father just said that to me this week. doesn't matter if it's 2%, Mike, if it's .001, if it's one person, it's my kid, it's my person, it's my child. And so I'm going to talk to you today about that, and I know that being married that for 31 years, we've had ups, we've had downs. We've had times where we never thought of divorce, and that's all I'm going to say. Those times that Melody, which are far and few between, that she gets under my skin, the times I try to defend myself or make her try to see my way, it never ends good, and nothing's accomplished, to be honest. But the Lord has given me grace and given you grace when I try to understand her viewpoint. When I come from understanding her, 
love just comes out of me automatically. Isn't that weird? I just love her when I, oh, man, I didn't see that. I, I didn't understand that. So my point today, to be honest with you, is that I'm 61 years. I've been a pastor for a long time, been in full-time ministry since 1991. Next year, I will be in full-time ministry 30 years. In other words, I've not, yeah, thank you. Uh, I've not had a, a secular job for 30 years next year. And some people think I don't work even now. I know that um, I've never really addressed this issue, I'm shameful to say, like I will today. And part of that is because of my lack of understanding. <laughs> if you're a white male, you do not understand what a black man goes through. I don't care how spiritual you are or how close to God you are. The Lord made sure that I knew that. Everybody's still going to love me even though it's my birthday today. You sh you're still going to love me when I'm done, right? Okay. Three of you. That's good. Three out of 40. I guess that's not bad. We're talking statistics. I know sometimes people say, and I've in the back of my mind, I go, well, it seems like it's better than it was than in the 60s or whatever. And that's just not good enough. I don't have to be my boy, especially Jared. He, he's a night owl, and he's lived in Willem Park. He's lived in Colorado Springs, and he loves going downtown. And as a white male, I never have to be concerned about him. But if his skin was black, I would be very concerned about him. Jared, you shouldn't be out late. You know, he likes to go walking at midnight. I pray that all of you all would have open hearts today to hear. I feel like, you know, I was sitting there while we were worshiping, and I said, God, make sure that I give him your heart today. Not Mike's heart, but your heart. And he said, I heard this so clear. He says, your heart and my heart are one. So I pray that you hear that today. This is the thing that if you're going to learn anything from God and understand, you have to have a heart of humility, which I, I, I thought I understood some things. I mean, by, I'm a missionary in Africa. Come on. The Lord made sure that I, you know, that doesn't mean squat as far as understanding what black people go through in America. It's totally different. And... Um, Melody got this book, and I've been listening to it, and it was so eye-opening. I haven't finished it, so I can't say it's a great book, but the first three chapters, wow. It's called The Myth of Equality, The Myth of Equality by Ken Witzma, and uh, it is so eye-opening. I'm just going to talk to you today where the rubber meets the road. If you're white, you need to read this. I didn't know some things. I didn't understand some things. You know, because I love all people. So I thought, I don't really, I mean, I've loved all people all my life. I've had black friends. I've had Hispanic friends. I've had friends, Asian, any color, anybody. And I, I mean, I just love people. So I didn't really think, I needed to dive into this because, you know, I just love people. And the Lord says, you need to understand. You need to understand. Just like when you understand melody, love gushes out. When you understand where people come from, you know. Have you ever seen, you know, a mother at a store and everything, and her kids are going, those kids, those kids. Well, you don't understand. 
you don't understand. But if you understand, you know, like I understand that because I've been with her at a grocery store, and I just think, dear Jesus, help her. You don't understand, so it's easy to be defensive. It's easy to be judgmental. It's easy to say those people, that person, it's easy to come from that viewpoint. And when you do, it is always wrong. I believe this will help us today. I'm a history guy. I love history. And I'm, by reading this book, I started Googling stuff because I thought I've never heard that before in my life. There's a time in American history on the soil of the United States where it's either, I didn't write down the date, it's either in the late 1700s to the mid or to 1800s where you had to prove you were white to be a U.S. citizen. You had to prove that you were white. And then they passed an act that only citizens could own land, which meant what? White people own land. Only white people own land because you had to be a citizen, and only citizens were white. After the Civil War, you know, thank God for Abraham Lincoln, things started to change for black people, but even then they, they made this big red hoop to jump through. Black people could vote if they could pass a literacy test. White people didn't have to take a literacy test. But if you were black, you had to take a literacy test. If you didn't pass the literacy test, you didn't get to vote. How many black people during right after the Civil War could read? Like none. And so they thought, okay. We're going to start learning to read. And black people began to learn to read, and all of a sudden they could start voting. I just didn't know these things about our history. And I'm not here to shame our nation. I still think we live in the greatest nation on the planet. I've been through many nations, and I still think this is the greatest one. Are we perfect? No. Is there stuff screwed up? Absolutely. In this book, I found out Barna Research, Barna, I'm sorry, is a Christian institution, by the way. He researched, and they said only 50% of Christians believe that people of color are put at a disadvantage, lower than the national average of 67%. That's disturbing to me, that the world sees that there's a problem and that there's discrimination, and the church does not. Barna also said, uh, I even got the name, the researcher's name was Brooke Hemheld, said, White Christians demonstrate a blindness to the struggles of their African-American brothers and sisters and a dangerous reality to the modern church. Again, if you love people like I do, you would just think, what everything, the world is turning right. But I just felt like during this time, maybe, <laughs> I mean, this has just woken me up to a new level of wanting to show the love of God. That's the bottom line. Black people need to know that white people love them. Hispanic people need to know. Every race needs to know that you're created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. In this book, he says that race, three points. He said racism is worse than we thought, is lasting consequences are more significant than we think, and our responsibility is greater than what we've been taught. And I haven't really gotten that point that I have a responsibility. First of all, just being a person that's created an image of God, number one, and number two, being a pastor. Number three, I'm not ordering the in 
any specific order, but number three, that we have, he said, you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's easy. It is so easy to see what's going on right now. Oh, the riots. You see, this is what, and it takes, you know, and I've heard people say this, you know, and put on Facebook, oh, that white person, that white cop got killed. Nobody's making a big deal about that. And, and that's true. But this is the problem that I see what the devil's doing. We're saying this is a problem, but you know what? Look at this over here to get our attention and focus on trying to change what this is all about. I mean, this book slapped me upside the head. You know, I would never, I didn't think that I've had a white privilege. This guy who wrote this book was interviewing this person, and he just says, well, listen, I'm white, but I've earned everything that I've got. And he says, I, I've worked hard for it. Nobody gave me anything. I've not had a handout, so you're not going to tell me I've had a white privilege. And the guy said, okay, what do you do for a living? He said, I have my own landscaping business. Oh, you do landscaping? He says, yeah, I've pretty successful at it, make a lot of money at it. He says, but I did it from the ground up, no handout. He says, where do you do most of your landscaping? He says, in the suburbs. He said, are those mostly white suburbs? He said, yeah. He said, um, do they let you work in their yard and around their house when they're gone to work? Oh, yeah. They trust me to do that. He said, do you think they would do that if you were black? He hesitated. He said, I'm sure not all of them. The point is, he said, if you are white in America, you've had a privilege that you've never known before. It's true. And you'll never understand, if you're white, what it's like. But this is the problem. Let me say, this is what we should be thinking about. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't think that's okay. You can disagree with me. And trust me, I've already preached this once this morning, and it's just as difficult and hard the second time as it is the first time. Because I want, to, I want everybody's eyes to be open as mine are starting to get a glimmer of seeing something that I've never seen before, of understanding something I've never understood before. Because I know this, this I believe, is going to change our nation for the better. It's changed me. So if it doesn't change our nation, thank God it's changed me. This is what your Savior, my Savior, has said in John 17. Jesus said, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. Obviously, Jesus saw 2,000 years in advance and said, there's going to be a problem on this planet and specifically the United States. But it's, to be honest with you, it's everywhere. You could say, well, it's a black-white thing. No, it's really not. Because when we were in Africa, the Hutus, which is a, a black tribe, and the Watusis were the black tribe, they killed 250,000 Hutus were slaughtered, black on black. It was just a hate. You're not like me. Well, my skin's the same color. Yeah, but you're of a different tribe. The devil has gotten people's minds that if you're not exactly like me, then something is wrong with you. Not me, but something is wrong and different with you. 
Why, this is the message that needs to be preached around the world, that for God so loved the world. When we were a kid, yellow, red, and black, and white, they are precious in His sight. But we're taught that or sing that, but then when we get older, we're taught something totally different, that we're not the same. You know, little things. When I was growing up even, you know, like, you know, you see somebody uh, that is black and you go, oh, well, those people. Those people? As if, you know, they're really different. Sweetheart, there's nothing more different than a black person than there is a red-headed, a brown-headed, or a blonde-headed, or who knows what color some of you women's hair is, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not looking at any woman right now, <laughs> including my wife. But anyway, you know, I, we're, we're taught this. I think it snuck into society. But when you fill out a form, it, put down what, what, what you are, Caucasian, black. And, you know, at first when I was a young kid, I go, Caucasian. Well, I'm not Caucasian. <laughs> Didn't know what that word meant. I go, I'm not on here. <laughs> Ruby red skin's not on here. I don't know what color I am, but I'm not even white. But anyway, but I think it's to, we didn't realize it, but we start differentiating even from little things like that. And I know they do it for statistics and everything, but it's used far greater than statistics. It's used to separate and to divide us. I just feel like this, and I, I know I don't hear the Lord perfectly every single time, but I felt like the Lord in my heart says I don't even like the word minority. It's all of my kids. How can I say the blacks are, are they're a minority? No, they're my kids. You know? Let me finish reading this. I'll start over. John 17, 21, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Do you understand that Jesus is saying, if the world's going to know that Jesus came, it's going to be because the church around the planet is going to walk in unity with one another, no matter what race, no matter what culture, no matter what. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. There is something magnificent that the church has not really tapped into much, and that is the power of unity. He said that, God, I'm praying that the the unity that Jesus and the Father has as one. He says, I'm praying that the people on the planet will become as one and so they can experience what we have experienced. Can you imagine what God and Jesus, what they experience because they walk as one? You know, I preach that the blessings of God and the power of God and all this, that you've got it now, but I truly believe that if we're going to see that manifested to a greater degree, we have to walk in unity. I'm going to finish this. Verse 23. 
For you, uh, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced. The world needs to be convinced, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not going to be so much by what we preach and throw down their throats. It's going to be shown by how we treat one another. That the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them. The same passionate love that you have for me. So. I just wrote down three things. It's nothing super revelation. What we can do as a church. One, obviously, is to pray. But the second one is time for white people to have a conversation with black people. I've reached out to everybody except for I haven't talked to Tony yet and I haven't talked to Vicky yet. But I've re- talked to everybody that I know and just let them know and tell them. I don't understand. Help me to understand your viewpoint. Help me. Help me. And just talk. And do you know what? The ones, there are different perspectives. So you can't just talk to one black person and go, oh, this is what that, no, no. You need to talk to different ones and just get, start understanding. Start understanding. I thought I understood. I do not. And I dare say if you're a white male, you don't either. Love you. Start a dialogue because the ultimate answer for rejection and hate is the love of God. The love of God. And then three, you and I need to start believing and agreeing with that prayer in John 17 that we would be one. I don't know, but I just said, God, if there's one thing that Rocky Mountain Family Church can do, this is what I would like to happen. That we could become part of the answer to that prayer. That they may be one. That they may be one. There's no rejection. I'm going to talk to the black people now. And anybody that's felt rejection, there is no rejection that the love of God cannot heal. Did you hear me? Whether you're black, whether you've been divorced, whether you've been outcast, whether you're what you are, whether you're overweight, whether you don't look that good. Everybody's experienced rejection, I know, to some degree. And so the answer is that the love of God can heal all rejection, no matter what. And let me tell you, if there's a message that needs to be preached in the United States of America today, that's it. That Listen, the love of God has outstretched its arm to embrace you so that you will never have to feel bitter or rejected because of the way you've been treated. This is what Jesus said, John 13, 35. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. I would like our church to be known for that, to be known that we love all people. Do we get it right all the time? Let me just tell you in advance, absolutely not. Do we treat people right all the time? No. I don't even treat my wife right all the time. So I'm probably not going to treat you right all the time. Okay? Let's just get that flat out. But you can take this to the bank. I will love you. I will love you. 
in your faults, in your failures, in your sin, in your mess-ups. Whether you come and repent to me or say you're sorry, I will still love you. And I pray that will be the testimony of every person here and every person that watches, that we will love people. We're never gonna be perfect. We're never gonna be right. Life is messy. Life is messy. But I would like for us to be known for a people that love. We may not get our doctrine. You know, I mean, through the years, I... I've changed things how I believe and the grace message and certain other things, even end times message. I've changed some things what I believe. And so this is the bottom line. We may not get our doctrine, every T crossed and every I dotted. We may not get it all right. But God says that's never the intention that I placed you on the planet. And that's not why I called you to be a pastor, to make sure that your doctrine is right and everybody believes right and is thinking right. No, don't get me wrong. I love doctrine. I think it's important. Don't get in a ditch and act stupid on me. But having said that, the most important thing is the main thing. And the main thing is love. The main thing is love. For God, that's why he came to this planet. It's not to make sure that our doctrine gets corrected and right. He came because of love. And listen, if it was something really difficult and something that's not uh, available to us, it would be a struggle. But the love of God is in each and every one of us. We have the ability by His grace and by His mercy to make sure that it's manifested on the outside. We got that ability. We have it. It just gets fuzzy when we try to not understand people. When we look at people and they're not, they don't exactly act like us. They don't look like us and they're not like us. You know what? It just, that starts making love fuzzy. And I believe God is helping us to get the Windex and clean the window and say, you need to see a little bit more clearly. But there's something more that's much more powerful and stronger than Windex. It was the blood of Jesus. It was wiped on that. And that blood will clean and clear away everything for you and I to have 2020 vision. I pray for our church. I just believe that God wants to take us. You know, like I said, when I start understanding Melody better, I just love her more. When I try to be defensive and, and, and try to get her to see my point of view and try to get her to say, well, listen, you don't understand me. And that, you know what? It just gets ugly. And we usually get it in a not such a good time. Let's just put it that way. But when I put my guard down and I don't try to get Melody, yeah, but, you know, if you if your conversation is, yeah, but, trust me, after 31 years of marriage, that's always ends in a destination you don't want to go. That's marriage 101. Instead of saying, yeah, but, you just say, oh, talk to me. Why do you feel that way? What's going on? When I do that, hearts start popping up all around me. I'm sure you see them. But anyway, God wants us to be a people that can do that. And we can do this, ladies and gentlemen. We can. And not only we can, we should. Let's just start understanding. You know, I I never thought that I was a white boy who had white privilege. And the more I look at it, because I grew up, we kind of grew up little bit on the poor side we didn't know it until I went away and I go wow 
wow, you all eat a lot different food than what we ate. I mean, beans, fried potatoes, and cornbread, that was pretty staple much in my house, you know what I mean? And I'm like, wow, you all have fish. It's easy to say, well, I grew up and it was hard. So, you know, they just need to understand too. No, if you're trying to be defensive, you're going to end up at a destination that God is going to say, it's it's not going to be good. Let's just turn this boat around and say, I'm looking at you and I'm going to understand you. I'm going to do my best to understand. And listen, we may not understand everything, but you know what? The Lord said, Mike, how is it when you go? The Lord has taught me this. I'm, I'm going over when I've gone to somebody's house and they're passing away or whatever, there's so many times when I was especially green and young, I would think, oh, man, I need to say something. I got What can I say? You know what the best thing is? Don't say nothing until you're asked. Just your presence being there shows that you care and that you love them. Just show up and be there. Keep your mouth shut and listen. It's the best thing you can do when... You know, somebody's going through a trial, going through something. Just listen. So that's why I encourage all of you all. Let's just be two big ears and let's listen. Don't try to justify. Don't open your mouth. Yeah, but. No. Just say, shake your head and nod. Become one of those bobble things and just. Mm-hmm. And listen. And let them know that you love them. We need to let people know that we love them. Let's stand. You got kids, you need to talk to them. You need to tell them, teach them, and train them. I didn't do that, you know, but I did do this. My kids saw me love every race and anybody and everybody and hug anybody and everybody. They saw me do that. So at least I know they've got that training by my example. But I think it's good. I, I, Danielle, she had a great conversation with her kids. Teach them about it. It's time that we start talking, you know, the elephant in the room. You know, you heard that term? But everybody who's a Christian, you know, and, and everything's going good, and everybody comes to church on Sunday, and we're all lovey-dovey, and, and then, but Monday, we, we go into the real world where there's hate, where there's violence, and where there's all this ugliness that it needed to be addressed on Sunday morning. And so I am, and I have. And I believe it will be a blessing to all of us. Let me pray. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of your love. There's so many different views of the love of God. I thank you that this day that we have seen a different viewpoint of love that maybe we've never seen or experienced before. But I thank you every time that we see a different viewpoint of love, that love just gushes out of us. And I'm so thankful, God, that eyes are being opened. I believe that souls are being healed. Souls, feelings, emotions are being healed today. Rejection is being healed. Bitterness is being healed. And no matter how we're treated or no matter what people say about us, we know that we are created in the image of God and that we are surrounded by the love of God and that he came for us, in particularly the blacks, the whites, and everybody, but God, we all need to know that he came to show how much he loves us. Thank you for showing us today and help us be a church that manifests the love of God on the outside that people may know. Wow. 
that we are true followers of Jesus. Thank you for the giving, God. Thank you that every need is met in this church and that we have more than enough and that we have the abundance. And I pray for everyone here that not only every need is met, but they are prospering in all that they do financially. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.